Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of October 30th through November 1st, 2020. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone enjoyed their Halloween weekend as best as you could. Uh, between that and the daylight savings time, giving us a extra hour of sleep, plus you know, twenty twenty coming out oh, coming out to only two more months left in the year. Uh, seasons certainly are changing. Also, there's a little thing known as the United States elections happening today. Uh, if you're based in the States and haven't already done so, please, please, please go out and vote. Um, it's okay. This is a podcast. You can keep listening to me talk about the box office while you wait in line to vote if you haven't already. Um, so without further ado, to help you wait in line for, to get to the polls, uh, let's hop to the domestic box office, what, shall we? So, in first place, we have a newcomer in from Focus Features, a Halloween-appropriate horror film, uh, Come Play, which was originally slated for July this year. Um, it grossed $3.2 million in 2,183 theaters for a per-theater average of $1,429. Uh, Focus Features is an imprint of Universal Studios, so we can expect this to come to PVOD sometime in the next couple of weeks. Notably, even though it is going to have a sword and theatrical window, Cinemark decided to let them run in their theaters. I guess just the dearth of content out there makes them desperate. Uh, total budget for this is about $9 million, and I imagine that advertising and, and art and marketing weren't super high for this one. So all things considered, I think that the producers and distributors will make back their money on this film at least. In second place, Liam Neeson's action film, Honest Thief, returns in its third week to $1.3 million in 2,360 theaters, uh, a week-to-week drop of 42% uh, and a per-theater average of $582. Notably, unlike Tenet, which had drops in the 30-ish and less percent range at week three, um, a 42% drop is closer to pre-pandemic levels and relatively steep. So, uh, you know, total domestic box office currently sits at 9.5 million US dollars. Worldwide box office is at 15.9 million. In third place, we have The War with Grandpa, continuing in its fourth week to gross $1.2 million in 2,365 theaters, a per theater average of $537, with a week-over-week drop of 34%. Uh, Not much to add here aside from the fact that its total domestic box office currently sits at $11.5 million and global box office is $15 million. In fourth place, Tenet continues to hang in there uh, with its first sub $1 million weekend in week 9. Um, it net $885,000 in 1,600 theaters, a per theater average of $553 and dropping 32%, the first weekend in a long time, almost two months, that it's had uh, over 30% week-over-week drop. Um, 1,600 theaters is about you know, just over half um, of, you know, the uh, 2,900 theaters that it had at its peak uh, back in September. So it's slowly being cycled out of theaters as, you know, these smaller films start coming coming in, um, you know. Uh, notably, with San Francisco reopening partially this weekend, uh, it did lead the weekend for Tenet, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, making up 10% total of all Tenet revenue. Uh, to date, it's made $53.8 million U.S dollars in the u.s so i'm thinking 
probably 55 million you know if, if things continue as it is um and it should it just hit 347 million dollars worldwide um apparently there are 18 more markets for it to open up though though i don't expect them to be particularly large markets uh to, to boost the numbers um it did supposedly open in brazil this past weekend uh, we likely won't get numbers for that until later today or later this week i personally think the biggest bump tenant we'll get will be if new york leaders reopen uh Apparently, even if it comes out on home media, um, I, it'll stay in theaters for New York and LA to see it on the big screen. Finally, rounding out the top five, we have 20th Century Fox's uh, The Empty Man opening to a dismal 56% drop uh, to net only $577,000 in 2051 theaters. In its second weekend, per theater average is at $281. Uh, also, to touch on some of the re-releases from previous weeks, as well as some new ones, uh, the witchy Hocus Pocus uh, did pretty decently, uh, dropping only 14%, uh, netting $456,000 in 1,100 theaters, the average of $404, um, and uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas dropped 33% in 1,200 theaters to $386,000, Pretty average of $316. Both of these are pretty Halloween appropriate, as is the re-release of the original 1978 film Halloween, uh, opening in just under 800 theaters to to $274,000, per theater average is $351. Now, there was also a re-release of Alita Battle Angel, uh, which re-ran in 1,000 theaters, uh, that only net $128,000, per theater average of $121, pretty much a big nothing. Don't get me wrong, I actually love the film um, and would love to see a sequel, but despite what the so-called Alita army said they would try to do this weekend, um, I can't say I'm terribly surprised that it didn't do super well. Anyway, total box office for this weekend tops out at $9.8 million, about $1 million less than last week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised um, if, looking at historical data, if Halloween uh, happens on the three-day weekend, that you would see a drop in week-over-week week over week revenue just because people are out trick-or-treating or partying or whatnot. But you know, then again, right now, it really doesn't have much leeway to fall much more, um, you know, given kind of the state how low the numbers are. Uh, looking at last year, the box office... This weekend made $103 million, um, the top film being the latest entry in the Terminator franchise, Terminator Dark Fate opening to $29 million US dollars and going on to be a disappointment. Anyway, that's the U.S. domestic box office. Again, not terribly exciting. Uh, what is more interesting would be looking at the Asian numbers, specifically those of China and Japan. So, last week's top film for China, uh, the Korean War film, the film about the Korean War, not a f- Korean film, uh, the, the film about the Korean War, Sacrifice, uh, net $28.9 million, um, a 46% drop last week, fairly steep actually, um, currently sitting at $106.3 million US dollars. Um, in second place, the second Digimon franchise film out of Japan, Digimon Adventure, Last of Evolution Kizuna, which I was supposed to see before the pandemic canceled sold the Fathom event screening of it. Uh, anyway, in China, it net 9.7 million US dollars. And then in third place, My People, My Homeland grossed $7.8 million, a 30% drop over last week. It currently sits at about 402 million US dollars, still in third place for top grossing films of 2020, about $22 million behind Bad Boys for Life. Uh, the other films in China all made less than $1 million, so I'm not going to dive into, into those in detail. However, what is exciting 
another exciting film is across, you know, across in, in the Pacific uh, is for the third week in a row, the story of Demon Slayer film as it continues to shatter records in Japan. It currently sits at about 15.8 billion yen or about 150 million US dollars after its third weekend, uh, with the weekend numbers being an estimated 28.7 million US dollars, about a 20-ish percent drop. Um, the latest record it's broken is it is now the fastest film in Japan's history to reach 10 billion yen, taking only 10 days to do so. Uh, the prior record was Spirited Away, which took 25 days to get to 10 billion yen. It, Demon Slayer currently sits as the 10th highest grossing film in Japan of all time, surpassing Makoto Shinkai's Weathering With You at 13th place with 14 billion yen, and James Cameron's Avatar at 11th place with 15.6 billion yen. Uh, next up at number 9 is the second Harry Potter film at 17.3 billion yen. Uh, in terms of anime films, it's the 5th highest grossing anime film in Japan, uh, with the next one being Princess Mononoke at 7th place uh, with 19.3 billion yen. Um, of course, the top grossing film of all time in Japan, anime or otherwise, is Spirit of the Way with 30.8 billion yen. So Demon Slayer is about halfway there, um, though it's it's gotten to this point, you know, in about half the time it took Demon uh, um, Spirit of the Way to get here. So, you know, looking abroad, you know, to get the worldwide highest grossing anime film, uh, we'll obviously need to wait to see how it does in China. Um, but at the very least, it currently sits at number 9 in the 2020 highest grossing films worldwide, ahead of Pixar's Onward, which sits at 144 million US dollars, and behind Birth of Prey at number 8 uh, with 201 million US dollars. Uh, if it does well over the next two months, it could very well end up beating 30.8 billion yen to be the highest grossing film in Japan, which would be about 294 million US dollars, good for the sixth highest grossing film of the year behind Sonic the Hedgehog at number five, 308 million dollars, and ahead of Doolittle. As a start to its global worldwide domination, uh, it opened to Taiwan this weekend, uh, the 4.1 million US dollars. Um, another interesting tidbit about the film in Japan, um, apparently 8.9 million of that 150 million US dollars so far has come from IMAX. Um, this is the second highest total for IMAX in the country, uh, first place being Bohemian Rhapsody, taking 13.4 million US dollars over four months. Uh, Weekend-wise, it's been three out of the top four weekends for IMAX in the country, with the fourth weekend being the opening weekend of the most recent Star Wars film. Honestly, it looks like Demon Slayer and The Sacrifice and My People, My Homeland are the only real films uh, poised to rise up to the top 10 grossing films of 2020 right now. Um, assuming something else doesn't come out in China, I'm not aware of. Maybe Monster Hunter, that, that likely going to come out very close to the end of the year and not count for 2020 growth. So, um, Asia is just going to be the powerhouse for a global box office right now. And part of that's because more European countries are planning on returning to lockdown. Um, in addition to last week, where we reported that France and it Italy had curved Fuse, um, with which, by the way, France just got upgraded to a full national lockout, lockdown last weekend for five full weeks. Um, Germany will be closed for at least a month starting on November 4th, and the United Kingdom will be joining them on November 5th with a second national lockdown. Um, I guess this is what the No Time to Die producers and distributors were trying to get ahead of by pushing their film into 2021, knowing that there would likely be another lockdown this coming November. Notably, while movie theaters are going to be closed down in the UK, movie production will still be able to continue, of course, uh, with COVID safety precautions in place. Um, another country, randomly, with uh, shutdowns is Malaysia, shutting down this weekend um, for at least another month, uh, though probably more. 
here in the States, while San Francisco did start to reopen, um, first with Cinemark and then AMC joining them uh, without concessions, um, with new COVID cases hitting 100,000 a day across the country, uh, Mayor London Breed of San Francisco said they, they will be pausing reopening for now so they won't expand past the 25% capacity. It sounds like theaters will still continue to stay open, but again, not be able to expand any further for the time being. Um, with cold weather coming, also, you know, I also don't see how drive-in theaters will be able to stay open for much longer um, and continue to power the industry. Um, in addition to, you know, theaters uh, and countries closing down, there are a couple of new film dates announced. Uh, MGM moved its award contender for the year, one of its award contenders for the year, the Aretha Franklin biopic Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson, from its limited December 25th release date um, and wide January 15th release date on MLK Weekend uh, to August 13th, 2021. That moves it out of awards consideration for the 2021 Oscars um, uh, and have to take care, it'll have to contend for the 2022 Oscars. Um, personally, I'm not sure how well the August date will work for them, though I guess it did work for Spike Lee and his, you know, African-American-related film, Black Klansman, um, and it had an August 10th release date. Uh, part of the fact that they moved, I think, is due to the fact that other films in the Black Musician uh, canon will be also competing for Oscars film this year. Oscars this year. Uh, Netflix has Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, starring Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman in his final role on film, coming out December 18th. Uh, and then Paramount Pictures has a film in February about Billie Holiday called The United States vs. Billie Holiday. So, you know, I guess MGM didn't want to have to try to compete for Oscar votes in the same space. Um, anyway, MGM also moved the Tomb Raider sequel starring Alyssa Vikander off of its March 19th release date uh, with no set date for now. Speaking of MGM, not a new release date, but there are rumors that MGM were trying to shop around the Jordan Peele written film Candyman to streamers, but apparently Jordan Peele didn't let the deal go through, so, you know, uh, we're still planning on seeing that get a theatrical release in the future. Anyway, another studio with some new dates is Paramount's animated film Rumble, uh, moving off of the January 29th release date, uh, probably a good move since we're not sure how well theaters will be doing in January, to May 14th, um, when there presumably is some sort of hope that, they, that theaters might be open then. Uh, in one of my earliest episodes of the podcast, I actually talked about animated films, and Paramount uh, Animation Studios has been really flopping with most of its films. The only real successful one being the first SpongeBob film, which, you know, the most recent SpongeBob film got taken off the theatrical release to go to uh, the rebranding of CBS All Access to Paramount+. Plus. Um, anyway, Paramount, uh, you know, they haven't been able... To, part of the reason they haven't been able to do so well is they were the latest of the major studios to get into animation, Um in recent years, and so they have, they kind of have been locked out of all of the major spots where animated films tend to do well. Um, you know, uh, in in March, you know, that's either sometimes a Pixar film like like Onward this year, or DreamWorks usually having a film coming out. Um, and then DreamWorks usually has the May slot for the film, which is great for kids getting out of school. Um, and then Pixar has June, Illumination has July, um, and then there's a little bit of a break in August and September as kids go back to school uh, before Disney comes in and pretty much owns November uh, with its, its Thanksgiving releases with, you know, some other studios maybe releasing something to compete against major blockbusters in December. Um, however, you know, 
this May, this coming May, the only other major animation studio with a film is DreamWorks with a sequel to that animated TV show Spirit about a horse, um, which I don't know how well that's going to do. So I think this is actually a great opportunity for Paramount to try to slot in and, and try to get some uh, kid, mo- kid money uh, for summer vacation with an animated film. Uh, you know, March has Disney releasing Raya and the Last Dragon, um, and then DreamWorks has the Boss Baby sequel coming out also in March, um, and then Pixar is releasing another film, Luca, in June. Um, so there's really nothing else in in May, and I think this is actually a pretty smart move for for Paramount to try to lock in this slot. Um, it's pretty rare chance for them to do so. You know, plus the fact that the film Rumble is about monsters fighting each other, and that I think it comes out the week before, as assuming it doesn't move, uh, Warner releasing Godzilla vs. Kong may mean that there's some kind of synergy there, right? Like parents taking their kids to go see, you know, a film in theaters. Maybe they don't want to show the super scary, realistic Kong vs. Godzilla vs. Kong. They show a more family-friendly version with Rumble. Or even people who, like, maybe if theaters are full, I can wish, uh, and then they can't see it, maybe they'll go see Rumble instead, something similar, right? Again, again, this presumes that movie theaters are open, that the films don't move their dates, and families are going to theaters, uh, but hey, let a man dream. Anyway, speaking of dreams uh, about theaters being open, uh, it's earnings week, and numbers don't look great for that dream to come true. Uh, We already got a preview last week, but AMC's numbers are officially in, and yeah, they're down to $119 million in Q3 for this year versus $1.3 billion last year. That's a million with an M against a billion with a B. Uh, net loss is now at $905 million compared to last year when it was $54 million. Um, they are filing uh, for new stock offerings to raise about $40 million in cash with the SEC to keep them, try to keep them liquid, though I think the cash on hand only has them lasting out, you know, maybe another three to four months as it is. Um, and apparently they're trying to work out some deals with other investors, but who knows what's, what's real and what's not at this point. Um, they are leaning on and, and trumpeting, you know, their deal with Universal about VOD, uh, you know, films coming to VOD after a sort of theatrical run. Um, and, you know, they apparently are working out a deal with Warner Brothers to do something similar. However, speaking of Warner, you know, the biggest film coming out, Wonder Woman 1984, is still apparently set to come to theaters um, without an early PVOD release. Um, and according to AMC CEO, we're not sure if it's going to come out on December 25th um, until, you know, for sure, until, you know, a less than a week before on either the 19th or 20th, which seems kind of ridiculous to me, you know. Most advertising starts about at the six-month week, um, especially with Thanksgiving coming up, right? You want to start advertising around Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit before. So, you know, with it being November now, they're going to have to make a decision, I would say, in the next two to three weeks um, on whether or not they're going to keep 1984 uh, in December release date or push it back. So who knows? I think most people are expecting it to go in the move um, to sometime next year, and myself included. Anyway, some other earnings highlights before we wrap up the show, um, as well as some other miscellaneous streaming news. Um, on the exhibition side, IMAX, uh, which is technically an exhibition company, grossed $37 billion in Q3 uh, compared to $86 billion last year, so that's about a 57% drop. Um, however, it has not been as dramatically lost as it could have been, given the fact that China and Japan and Asia in general uh, are doing relatively well in Q3. On the production and distribution side, Comcast-owned Universal Studios reported a 
uh, $1.28 billion revenue in Q3, um, down 25% year over year. Uh, theatrical revenue is down, no surprise, 95%, though this was offset by content licensing revenue going up about 15%. Uh, Q3 uh, earnings before you know bunch of that stuff. Basically, earnings for theatrical is is actually up 53% year over year um, to 300 million dollars uh, for the year. Revenue is down 22% to 3.8 billion dollars versus last year, um, mostly due to less theatrical releases. And earnings is down 14.6% to 634 million dollars. Um, though again, this is offset by lower operating costs. Um, also in streaming news, out of Universal, their free streaming service Peacock has 22 million signups as of Q3, um, though that does not fully reflect monthly active users, which presumably is less than that. Um, though, however, the office is coming to Peacock in January, um, so that should help them there. Um, there was also a random dig at Quibi, which people won't let them die, um, about which even though they are closing down, um, about NBC and Peacock having content people actually want to watch. Um, I don't know. That was that was really weird just to see them being called up. I guess it, it was relatively recent. So anyway, on the Sony side of things, they released their numbers. In, and for Q2, uh, which is from uh, April through June in 2020, um, their theatrical revenue is down by $615 million versus last year, um, $715 million in 2019 versus $13 million in 2020. Uh, Q2 and Q3 combined profit dropped about 18% overall to $299 million. Um, of course, this does not include Demon Slayer, uh, which is being distributed by Sony, um, as well as Monster Hunter coming later in December, which should do well in China. So I think the Q4 is looking you know, a little bit positive. I think they actually upgraded what their revenue expectations should be for Q4. Um, the other big news out of Sony, and this affects my other podcast, the Yet Another Anime Podcast, is that they are nearing, I think, are planning on and, and finalizing a deal to acquire Warner Media's anime streaming service Crunchyroll for nearly one billion US dollars. Uh, this would join Sony's current offering of Funimation. Um, currently, it's unclear if Crunchyroll would be swallowed up under the Funimation banner, or if they would continue to operate as separate brands just under the Sony banner. Um, I know in previous years they did they did have a deal whereas uh, Funimation content would stream on Crunchyroll. Um, so who knows, maybe I'm going to be able to go down to one subscription instead of two um, that I'm currently paying for. Um, anyway, no news how this will affect also the WarnerMedia-owned VRV app that combines Crunchyroll with their other streaming services. But um, yeah, we'll just see how this, this pans out. Looking forward to see how this affects um, the anime streaming industry overall. Um, on Apple, um, they are apparently extending the free trial for Apple TV by another three months for their first users who signed on last year, um, as they still need to deal with their lack, relative lack of content. Uh, meanwhile, on the Warner Media side, HBO Max is suggesting, uh, speaking of content stuff, that a big movie is coming to HBO Max on Christmas Day. They haven't said exactly what it is. Um, Currently, the best guess most people have is Tom and Jerry, but there are some others thinking perhaps the Sopranos movie, uh, The Many Saints of Newark, should be, could be coming out then. Um, I could also see Tenet, perhaps, as that would be about three months after the theatrical release and right when home media uh, for Tenet would be coming out. Other potential wildcards I've seen thrown around the internet are um, the new Space Jam film, which is apparently done filming. Um, and, you know, according to, to spoilers, um, you know, spoilers, uh, you know, it has LeBron James and features not only Looney Tunes characters, but also 
other Warner properties, which given the fact that, you know, HBO Max is about all the Warner properties could be a good way to advertise the rest of the the HBO Max catalog. And plus, you know, LeBron James recently winning, you know, the NBA championship uh, could help, you know, advertising in with that regard. Um, other suggest, other suggested uh, you know movies for Christmas Day release maybe Lin Manuel's in the Heights. Um, this would emulate Disney's success with Hamilton coming out on July fourth. Um, James Gunn, The Suicide Squad could potentially come out. Um, apparently, filming is done, and uh, we are starting to get press about it coming out. You know, they they recently in you know some new pictures coming out. So who knows? This may be a surprise uh, rush to get The Suicide Squad squad out on HBO Max. Um, and there is also a deal that you know uh, John. Cena's character um, in in the Suicide Squad will be getting a spinoff show on HBO Max, and the last one would be you know Godzilla versus Kong, uh, which apparently has been completed for you know a, a couple months at this point, and uh, maybe they might, I might not be confident about the uh, the March release date, so you know we'll see. Uh, hope I'm hoping not not Godzilla versus Kong. My best guess is the fact that it, it probably is Tom and Jerry or Many Saints with Newark with Tenet as the third place. Uh, finally, you know, last week's big release uh, on on streaming was the subsequent Borat movie film, uh, the sequel to the 2006 mockumentary uh, starring Sacha Baron Cohen. Um, Samba TV uh, reports that about 1.6 million uh, uh, U.S. households watched it on opening t- weekend on smart TVs. Um, of course, this does not include all viewers, right? You know, this doesn't include mobile devices or people who watch it on desktop or non-smart TV devices. Um, that said, comparing similar metrics to Mulan, uh, more people apparently watched Borat to compare to Mulan on its opening weekend. Um, though apparently, though again. Borat is included in Prime Video and no additional cost, as opposed to Mulan, where you did have to pay an additional $30 for premiere access. So not exactly apples to apples. Um, Amazon didn't give out specific numbers. They literally said tens of millions of users watched it this last weekend, but it seems a pretty good for uh, win for you know them and for SBC and crew. Um, Deadline reports it's apparently the biggest opening for a film on Amazon Prime. Which kind of makes sense, you know, given the fact that it's close to the election and there was all this coverage about, um, you know, Rudy Giuliani's role in the film. So it's not surprising that, you know, maybe you got some additional viewers who are trying to figure out what's going on. Finally, to wrap up the show this week, I wanted to pay tribute, pay memorial to the original James Bond, Sir Sean Connery, previously known as the greatest living Scott. Uh, he passed away this past week in his sleep, uh, surrounded by his family in the Bahamas at the ripe old age of 90 years old. Uh, over his career, he won an Academy Award in 1987 for Best Supporting Actor in The Untouchables, uh, as well as two BAFTAs and three Golden Globes, including the Cecil B. DeMille Award for Contributions to Cinema. Um, as James Bond, he debuted in Dr. No with the iconic Bond, James Bond line, um, and appeared in From Russia With Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and Diamonds Are Forever. Um, other classic roles, in addition to James Bond, include appearing in Alfred Hitchcock's Marnie, uh, the 1986 film The Highlander, the Cold War film The Hunt for Red October, in Indiana Jones as his father, Indiana Jones Sr., in The Last Crusade, um, and his final live action role was the 2003 League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, with one role coming out of retirement for voice acting in 2012 for the Scottish animated film uh, Sir Billy, which apparently didn't do very well, but hey, it's a retirement job. Anyway, uh, AMC will be screening Goldfinger and The Hunt for Red October um, as a tribute to him in the same way that they did for RBG and Chadwick Boseman when they passed earlier this year. Again, rest in peace to Sir Sean Connery. 
And with that, this is the end of the episode of the Box Office Watch podcast. Uh, remember, please, people, go out and vote. Uh, hopefully, you're a little bit closer to the polling place uh, and getting in uh, from where you are now listening to this. Um, anyway, suit me ideas for what I should cover via email uh, at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Uh, if you could leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on Podchaser, that would be super helpful. I'll include those links in the show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music is from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this is the Box Office Watch Podcast. I know watch goes on, and remember, go vote. <laughs>